Thunder Island, that's where we are. I need to fix this. Give me a second. I need to fix this. I may go green for a second. Oh, there we go. All right. I kicked it in. Got to have some, some definition and some defined boundaries here out on Thunder Island, which is uh, where we're broadcasting from today. I know I played that before, but Jay Ferguson epitomizes Yacht Rock. I mean, that is like got to be a, a top 10. Somewhere in the Yacht Rock Hall of Fame, that song is in there. It has everything. It's got the doobie bounce. There's a thing called the doobie bounce. It's got a yacht theme like Thunder Island. Like they're out on Thunder Island together. You know that they've got a boat somewhere. They rode the storm out on Thunder Island. He's wearing kind of this, uh, it's not quite a leisure suit, like a, like a kind of a deck suit with the uh, blue and white. By the way, I had an outfit exactly like that when I was 22, I think, right around 22. I had the... I had the suit, I had the kind of the white linen suit 
and I had the blue and white striped shirt. I didn't have Jay's feathered quaff at that point, though. So um, welcome to the show, everybody. It's Robert Phoenix, and uh, this is uh, 15 Minutes of Flame, as we just uh, take in the cool breeze and the uh, chill vibes on Thunder Island. Got a lot to talk about, as always. There's always something to talk about. But today, I'm going to take part of the show, and I want to talk about this idea of change by decade and how it's important to view decades as very specific periods of time. And during those periods of time, there's obviously numerological, um, vibrational meanings and messages for a specific decade. But the changes come right at or near the beginning of the decade. And what's interesting about the, the whole idea of change at the decade is that that's when a new president is elected. So the presidents are elected on zero years. Um, they're elected on four years and they're elected on eight years. Zero, four, eight. Zero, four, eight. Right? Because we'll have an elect, we had last election in 2020. We'll have another one in 2024. We'll have another one in 2028. Is that right? And well, I guess the next one would be 2032, which is odd. If you think about it, 20. So we had 60, 64, 68. There's the eight year. 72. And then 80, right? So yes. The two year plays a role. 72, 76. 80, 84, 88, and then 92. So that's a different decade, but we'll get in. We're going to get into this today because a lot of the decades, a lot of the presidential changes, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> wow, there's a lot of pollen on Thunder Island. They take place during the zero years. Kennedy, 60, Reagan, 80. Um, and then you could probably throw in Biden in 20, which is a huge change. I was thinking about this yesterday and we'll get into it. We'll get into it. We're gonna, we're gonna go back. We're gonna start with the 60s. And the whole idea is to understand where we are now. Like this is, this decade is not the 2010s. It is not the 20, the 2010s were in a lot of ways, the last outpost of time. And now we're in a very different part of the, uh, the universe. And it all started in 2020. So I'm going to try to get into this a little bit today. And, um, We'll see where we go with it. And maybe if we understand 
the cycles of the past, we might be able to have a better handle on, you know, where we are now. Although that's very hard, just to be fair and honest, like trying, I was on Twitter earlier. I was typing something out. It was about, it was about um, Hunter Biden. Oh, don't you think this is a distraction? Well, what isn't a distraction at this point? Everything is a distraction and everything is inherently connected, even if it's a distraction. So you could pull something apart and then it would have all these different connections and associations with other things. And could it be a distraction? Absolutely. I mean, Hunter Biden is one of the most sordid distractions ever. I mean, it's the uh, it's the grimy gift that keeps on giving. I think Hunter should have just gone into porn. I mean, he could have he could have had an OnlyFans channel. It made a shit ton of money. I mean, it would have been bought, bought and sold by the Chinese and the Ukrainians and whoever else, right? But what's happening is we're, you know, if time is a funnel, if, if, if history and culture is a funnel, and it starts off like with this very wide vector and it gets narrower and narrower and narrower, we're, we're towards the end of the funnel because there are only so many probabilities and possibilities that we can understand and know in the, in the fluted end of the funnel. Everything becomes condensed. Everything becomes uh, focused and variables. Like when you're in the, the top end of the funnel, there's all kinds of room for variable. But when you're in the, the bottom end, where you're in the, the fluted end of the cone, everything gets just more compact and more condensed. So there's less variables. And you can see where things are, are going, right? Because when you're at the top of the funnel, there's so much going on that you don't really, you know, pay much. I mean, you can pay attention to it, but but there's lots of different things that are that are floating around. And you can focus on this and that, and this and that. Well, this could be happening, this could be happening. But it, as it gets closer and closer to that fluted endpoint, that doesn't happen. So you keep running into the same things over and over again. And that's, that's where we are now. But what's, what's interesting is that once you um, get through the other side of the funnel, it opens back up again, right? All that concentration becomes dispersed and then there's, you know, more potential for variable and uh, lesser containment. So keep that in mind because we're going through the funnel. We're going through the fluted end of the funnel. So everything is a distraction and everything leads to something else. And that something else is inherently part of where things are going. So there's no, there's really no difference at this point. Is Hunter Biden the biggest distraction? Of course. But if you keep going at it, you'll find that it's connected to X, Y, and Z and X, Y, and Z are connected to um, other factors, other integers, and those things are connected to where things are headed. 
Right. So I, it's, it's funny now because we're, so many people have been dosing on uh, conspiracy or truth and, and good. I'm happy. I'm happy that people are finally starting to wake up and smell the coffee. I have I had a really nice client yesterday, just a super, super sweet guy from Australia. And um, it's a real gentleman, you know, it's old school. Can't say enough good things about it, about him. And he said, you know, my wife, all she does is research now. She researches what's going on, what's going on with the economy, what's going on with metals, what's going on with uh, the world economic foreign forum homos, right? She, she like, and I think it's indicative of what's happening with people now. So we're getting to a point where we have a shared nomenclature. We have a shared kind of standard of values. We may not always agree upon the application of certain things, which can be harder because now you have kind of a fractalized relationship with the truth. And I've talked about this before. Like there are certain things that a really hardcore Christian and I could agree upon. And we sit down and have a cup of coffee and talk about it and not get into a mud, mud wrestling match. But then the further out you go from, from that into like more personal beliefs versus a generalized kind of uh, belief system that's where we would get into some kind of maybe disagreement, right? And that's where it gets a little tricky, you know, with high level issues we agree upon, but, you know, personal choice issues or how, how we um, take in the information. That's a whole other, whole other story. So we're at very interesting times in that regard. And I don't think there's ever been a time where we've been more on the same page. If you're looking at things through a, a similar lens. The challenge is when we get caught in the weeds. In the weed, the weeds part is important because I've, I've talked about this before as well. And there's at times this rush to uh, create this satanic panic. Like we saw it with the Georgia Guidestones. As soon as the Georgia Guidestones went down, there was another building that went down and it was like people were cheering it. And, oh, another one of their satanic structures went down. Well, it was probably left over from the Tartarian world. But it was like this architectural witch hunt. Anyway, I'm getting off the path a little bit. But things that are distractions so-called distractions are now inherently woven in to, or they're inherently written into the script that is part of a bigger narrative. And so it's just a matter of, you know, how you deal with and sort through the distractions. Like if you don't get caught, if you don't get caught on a certain narrative and say, well, you know, Look at this. This is evil. Blah blah blah. Impeach Biden. Right. That's pretty three dimensional. 
the more sophisticated or the more expanded view would be to look at that and say, okay, well, there's that, what's really going on, who is behind the dump, you know, how did they crack that code, who profits from this, where does it go next, what, and what are they obfuscating our attention from to some degree, right? Those are important things to, to have during that conversation. But you wouldn't be having those, those conversations if you didn't have the distraction. You understand what I'm saying? So it's kind of like we're in this very interesting world of subject and object. And when you're in subject-object world, you're, you're in the world of duality. But when you, when you bring these things together, you're moving through duality. Right. It's not just like Joe Biden, bad, Donald Trump, good. Hunter Biden, bad, Don Trump Jr., not as bad. And if this was happening to Don Trump Jr. and uh, Don Trump, oh, man, what, what, would, what, what would the Fuhrer be like? It'd be huge. And we know that, right? We know that. We absolutely know that. But that's a, that's a dualistic way of looking at it. You get you get moved into the duality loop with that. The the expanded view is to kind of get on top of it and look at it and see where things connect into it or don't connect into it, and therefore the distraction becomes part of the actual narrative, right? And it's so easy to say, well, that's a distraction. Sometimes there are distractions. Absolutely, hundred percent. Sometimes distractions are fun. Hunter Biden, I got to say. From from sitting on the sidelines and watching that shit, I gotta say it's kind of fun. It's kind of wacky. It's like better than anything, either network entertainment or Netflix or Amazon or Hulu or any of these streaming services could come up with. Like it is way more entertaining, way more sorted, gets closer to the truth than anything that they can come up with, and he's got enough fucking video to make an entire series. The guy was videotaping everything, everything. And I did a little piece on a very brief piece on uh, Twitter yesterday because Hunter Biden has a sun Venus conjunction in Aquarius and Aquarius is a sign that I think tends to be voyeuristic, especially the moon. People have the moon in Aquarius are very voyeuristic, but Venus in Aquarius can be voyeuristic as well. Cause what is Hunter Biden doing? He's fucking videotaping everything, everything. What is he doing with that stuff? Is he just going back and is he looking at it? I'll bet you he's sharing that shit with people. You think he's just sitting there on his cell phone? No, I bet Hunter Biden's friends got to see what Hunter Biden was up to. Hunter, he, he was probably very proud of those moments. Right. That's a Venus and Aquarius moment. So there's, it's like, he's going to under, try to understand himself through his relationship with the many, right. Which is Venus and Aquarius. So I looked into who else has Venus and Aquarius and some interesting people came up. Ashley Kutcher has Venus and Aquarius. He also, if I'm not mistaken, has Moon and Aquarius. So Ashton Kutcher really does like to watch. But where did Ashton Kutcher become famous with or for? It was the TV series Punked. And what is that about? It's it's like candid camera. It's voyeuristic. Sitting around, you know, watching people 
get fooled and, you know, laughing at them in the control room. It's it, Ashton Kutcher, Paris Hilton, Venus and Aquarius. You know, what did she theoretically become famous for? I mean, she was already kind of famous, but everybody had to have a sex tape. So she did one night in Paris, which is her having sex. And there's, I've got an image on Twitter where there's a guy taking a picture of her in the mirror. I mean, it's so fucking, you know, she's, she's semi-naked. You can see him naked from the waist down. I think they should have a reality show with these people. Get a bunch of people with Venus and Aquarius and put them in Big Brother. That would be highly entertaining. Could you imagine people like uh, Hunter Biden, Paris Hilton? I don't know if any of the Kardashians have Venus and Aquarius. I don't care. You got to throw one of them in there. You know, get a few other train wrecks <clears throat> who like to who like to watch, like to be filmed. Throw them all on Big Brother and have it <clears throat> have it be pay per view. If if I was a producer and I had bank, I would do everything in my power to make that happen. That would be that would that would that would break that would break the internet. Um, who's the other one? Oh yeah, Sharon Stone. Sharon Stone, Venus in, uh, in Aquarius. And what is she known for? She's known for a role in the movie called Sliver. And her lover is Billy Baldwin in the movie, who has what? He's got surveillance cameras in every single apartment or condo in this building that she's living in. And so he's videotaping people, you know, screwing and everything. He's got videotapes, murders, whole nine yards. And she's his lover, and there's a scene where they're, you know, they're doing it, right? They're doing it with, you know, all the monitors on in the background. So Venus and Aquarius, very, very voyeuristic when it comes to the world of, uh, quote-unquote, mass media. All right, welcome to the show. I got, I, I, I've been talking for how long? About 20 minutes now, and I haven't even said hi to everybody. I haven't talked about true ham science, and I have not given our friend Lisa another another push. Okay, so Lisa said something to me, and I'm going to take her up on this offer. She said if she wins, she is going to donate a thousand dollars to this chat. And you know what I will do with that thousand dollars? I will put it to the event. And I'm going to use that $1,000 to help people who can't get here. We're kind of on the edge. I'll take that money and I'll help them get here. It's like a scholarship. Okay. So now we've got some, we've got some skin in the game here. So let's help Lisa out so we can help our community out here and have people that really want to come, but they're like, Oh God, I can't really, let's make it easier for them. I think it's a great deal. So let's start with Lisa today. And let me see if I can bring her thing up again. Goodbye, Thunder Island. 
Oh, that was her, uh, that's her role, B-roll. Let's get the voting thing up there. Here it is right here. And you can vote once a day. That's the other thing here, okay? Once a day. Uh, it is opening act. So she gets to go onto the stage at the, uh, was it the forum? No, the Hollywood Bowl. Which is, if you're a performer, man, that's, you know, that's like the dream of a lifetime. So here we go. The polls were not open on Sunday night. They're open now. Seven days, 12 hours, 20 minutes. Let's boost her. Let's give her, let's, let's give her a, the doobie bounce. Okay, give her the doobie bounce. Currently eighth in their group. So you get a free daily vote. Verification is required. Um, I think they look for your Facebook or some shit like that. That's what I gave them. So let's help our girl out here. And if she wins, we get that $1,000 and we get to apply it. I get to apply it to helping people get out to the event. Everybody wins. That is a win, win, win. WWW. So you can vote once a day. And um, if you have friends, pass the link along. Why, I, so I, I did this one time for my ex-wife. It was, it was a hard decision, though. I got to tell you. It was a hard decision. And um, because, <laughs> this is true confession moment now. She didn't really get into what I was doing. Like she, she, it's a very complicated situation. But, uh, I, you know, I was, I was doing astrology and I was doing this. And, and, <laughs> and she was, she was kind of pissed off, I think, because I was doing something that I actually loved and enjoyed. And she said, well, I'd like to get paid for my hobby too. I'm like, well, who's stopping you? You know, adjust your lifestyle accordingly. And you too can get paid for your for your hobby if that's what you want to do. But there was a clear line in the sand. And she definitely was not into my my content. That's when the the uh, the river of life started to diverge. And uh she entered into this. I told I told the story before. She entered into the the, uh, the the Ironman triathlon in Hawaii because she was going through this major transformation. Saturn was on her ascendant. Anytime you have Saturn on your ascendant, you're going to go through transformation. It's going to put new limits on your life. But I like Saturn on the ascendant for a transit. I think it's really good. Really good. I like Saturn transits better than Neptune transits. Neptune transits are hard. Saturn transits, you know what you're up against. And if you if you go with it, there's so much growth there. If you fight it, you're in chains. Go with the growth, right? So she's going through this. She's losing weight. Saturn on the ascendant. That's what happens. Um, she's training. She wants. She's doing these three Ks, five Ks. She wants, and then she starts to do these uh, triathlons. And she was always a really 
very strong bike rider, great bike rider. Um, and I would say an above average swimmer. The running part, not her strong suit. But those other two, good. So to get into the triathlon, the Ironman, you have to be voted in because it's locked up every year. Every year they have, well, maybe not now because people are dropping like flies. But before then, <laughs> you would you would go in and you were grandfathered in. So they'd only take three people, new people each year. And um, so you, you had to like be voted in. And it's social media. So she made a video about her desire to, you know, be in the triathlon and the, her motivation around it. And it was a good video. She had a good story. She was, um, you know, dealing with her demons around alcohol, right? She, she was going sober. She had all these really important feel good touch points where if you saw the story you're rooting her on, you're like, yeah, good. I'm going to vote for you. It was a good video professionally done. So then she says, Hey, can you, can you uh, promote this video on your show? And I'm thinking, you mean the show that you fucking hate that show? It was, it, I was on the crossroads of a moral dilemma here, right? My lifestyle, my show the thing that that I had cultivated and worked on. Now, now she wants me to, to open it up so that she can, you know, get some votes for this thing. I'm like, okay, sure. I want to see you succeed. I want to see you succeed. And hopefully this will build a better bridge between me and you since we're not together anymore. So I did it promoted her. I don't know how many votes she got out of it, but she got some votes. I can guarantee you that. And she got in. She actually ran the triathlon. So let's help Lisa. Let's help Lisa get onto the, you know, Hollywood bowl stage. Let's get a thousand dollars. Let me distribute it to a couple of people so they can get here. And let's create a little magic. Here, I'll put the link in uh, on the uh, chat. How does that sound? Does that work, work okay for everybody? Let me get in here. Right there. There we go. There's the link if you want. You can vote once a day. All right, let's see her get out of the eighth, eighth position. Let's work a little reality magic here. Okay. A few more orders of business so we'll get into things. Um, let's talk some hemp. Let's talk some CBD. Let's talk true hemp science. As you know, this is the sponsor of the show. And the gummies worked their magic last night. Got to tell you. Boom, boom, out go the lights. And I had the craziest dream this morning. It was a, it was a crazy dream. It was, it was early in the morning. And 
I was, I was in a, a, I was in a bathroom, but it was like a, a, a like a, in a public space. It, it reminded me of this uh, bathroom that I used to use in this live workspace that my uh, long time ago, the dearly departed Barbara Imhoff lived in. And um, it was kind of like that. And there wasn't a door. There was a curtain, like a blue curtain. And I was sitting down using the, uh, the John. You know, I think it had something to do with what I watched before I went to bed. Now that I think about it, uh, it was one of those like mind unveiled videos where they were talking about how in Tartaria, they, they more than likely used their waste for energy. That's a whole different story, but I, that's what I was watching before I went to bed. Anyway, so I'm in this bathroom and there's this blue curtain and then there's this woman trying to get in. And she's, she's kind of crazed, but not crazy, just kind of crazed. And then the curtain opens and I think it's her, but there's this other kind of creature behind the blue curtain. And I think it's, I, I'm thinking, okay, it's, it's a deer. What, what is a deer doing on the other side of this blue curtain? And then the curtain opens and it's not a deer. It's one of those little cappuccino monkeys. And it wasn't on my back, but it was on my neck and it was up here on my head. And it liked me. It was the weirdest thing. And it belonged to somebody else inside the, uh, the place there. So I, I had this funny little monkey you know, those cappuccino monkeys are small. Like now all of a sudden he'd become attached to me. Is that the monkey mind? Maybe. Who knows? I like the monkey though. Now, is that a byproduct of uh, the gummies? I don't know. All I know is that I slept really well. And uh, we talked about the fulvic acid yesterday. Chris has a bunch of products on his website. I don't think it's limited to hemp. If you want to get the discount. So truehemscience.com backslash ref backslash 23. And you spend $100 or more and put that little 15 mins code there. You just put the 15 mins code anyway. And if you get up around $90, I don't think he's going to, you know, say, well, you got 10 more dollars to spend. He's not like that. You'll get the goodies. See this over here. I just threw this on there. That's from listen notes. And, um, I'm in the top 10% of podcasts on listen notes. I don't know what that means, but it looked, you know, it's kind of like those guys in Europe. You ever see those dudes in Europe where they have these suits and they have all these like medals and all kinds of shit on them. You ever seen those guys? Like you have no idea what they mean, but in a weird way, it looks kind of impressive, a little dorky, but a little, but a little, you have no idea what it means, but it looks kind of impressive. That's what this is. I have no idea what it means, but top 10% looks kind of impressive. That's why I have it there. No other reason why. <laughs> okay, let me get into uh, let me get into chat, Tario. We're having a good time this morning. You've listened to the podcast side of things. Welcome. Oh, our man, David Palmer. Came down with the sicky icky. Yeah, you know, we do have the event from October 14th through the 16th here in Kerrville. David's going to be there. And um, 
he just started this new show, Spiritual Daddy. I commented on it, I sent him a text, and then I got a text back, and he's down. So send your good vibes, good healing vibes to uh, our friend David so you get back on his feet. Um, so I'll keep you posted. The good news, the good news is he's young and he's healthy. So we'll we'll, uh, we'll see him back in action real soon. But I just got to give a shout out to David. All right, who do we have here? Okay, we got uh, DJ MC. What's going on, brother Mike? There's my man Thomas. Good morning, TJ. And then there's Ryan. Greetings, Ryan. Good to see you, my friend. Susie the Sea Goddess, you are here early. Miss Nakia, checking in. Sony, hi, Sony. And there's the beautiful Wendy. Always great to see her. Maybe, hi, maybe. Maybe becoming a bit of a regular. I love it. Kelly B. Kelly B is here. What's going on, Kelly? Good to see you. Uh, let's see. Hucklebuck. 411. Yeah. So when we hit the open seas, we will be Yataria. I've already I've already thought about this. We'll be Yataria on the open seas. There's my man Maurice 100. And then Michael Pafford. Hi, Michael. Where's the mute button? I think it's on your computer. Uh, let's see. Someone needs to pull the plug on Yacht Rock. Oh, man, come on now. How can you not like Jay Ferguson? Thunder Island. It's a classic. Cappy Carey, what's going on, Carey? Good morning to you. Yeah, I, so somebody sent me that link, Tom, about the uh, Yacht Rock channel show. Let's see. Look at Birdie. Woo-woo, bringing back the teen years. It we're, Look, it's a Cancerian month. Let's do the astro math on it, okay? It's a Cancerian month. What does cancer represent? It represents water. Cancer's a water sign. And cancer looks backwards. It's a sign that looks backwards. It's a little sentimental, nostalgic. Don't worry, when Leo comes around, we'll be on to something else. It's only three minutes worth of your time, generally. There are no yacht rock, long playing operatic classics. And by the way, I'm very selective with my yacht. Jimmy Buffett is not on my yacht. Renee's here. What's going on, Renee? Would pay money to see. I know. Wouldn't you pay money to see that fucking train wreck of all those people on uh, Big Brother? They'd love it. They have cameras everywhere. I mean, everywhere. They wouldn't care. Let them do drugs, whatever, right? Just like that would be our exorcism moment. Kind of song that gets stuck in your head. I think that's the uh, 
the raison d'etre, the reason behind it. Uh, let's see who else do we have. You did hear that song before, Beth. You're not experiencing deja vu. The evolution of Robert via Picks. Oh my God. That would be interesting because there was a period of time where I was really unhealthy and I was a fat fuck. I was really unhealthy. And I, I look back on some of those videos and I'm like, ooh, who is that person? And I even remember that time. I remember that time. I remember looking at myself in the mirror like, who are you? I don't even recognize you anymore. How did you get here? And then I'm like, okay, well, let me get, let me get a haircut. <laughs> that was the plan. I'll get a haircut. That'll change everything. And I got the haircut and I looked in the mirror. I'm like, no, nah, you're still that same guy. And I'll tell you why I got to that place. I had gotten into a bad relationship. And when you're in a bad relationship, you start to take on things, things that are things that you're not even aware of. Sometimes it's the other person and their stuff. In many cases it is. So eventually as I, um, went starboard in that relationship and I tacked in another direction using some sailing and yachting terminology, uh, I began to seriously look at my health and I started going to a gym. Eventually I stopped drinking. Uh, and then, uh, you know, Dr. Joan came around and who knows a lot about health and said, well, you're, you're taking too much sugar in. I'm like, okay, I'll stop. Right. And so that was a whole nother level. And some of that was also um, based on my, uh, my health at the time. Anyway, enough about me. Fran's having internet issues. You're not the only one. Uh, let's see who else we have here. I'm not having it, but other people have been experiencing internet issues. The war for at look has always been interesting. So Robin, you know, there is a version of Southern yacht. Robin, Robin hails from the South. And I've been trying to promote this band sea level as yacht rock. There are a few tracks of the sea level cat, uh, catalog that are kind of yachty. And sea level was a couple ex-members of the Allman Brothers and a few other Southern bands. I bet Robin would uh, would agree with that. Mark M, what's going on? Understand the size of the past, better understand where we are and who, what is influencing ushering, steering us along. I would agree, Equa. It all comes around again. Yeah, it's always good to have Mark in the house. Where's Tondar? Is Tondar here? Robin makes a, an interesting um, notice how Frank Lloyd Wright is in the news. He was a weirdo. Wasn't Frank Lloyd Wright a fucking weirdo? Not everything he did was, was uh, a genius, but it was interesting. 
Uh, let's see. Who else do we have? Oh, Garrett Brooks is here. What's going on, Garrett? Always good to see you. Normalizing that idiot isn't smart. I'm afraid we're past that. We're past that. The stage of normalization is, um, okay, so when you have the assistant secretary of nuclear waste and energy dressing in drag every day, who has a gallery of pictures with his partner dressed as a latex dog on a leash and brings the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence to the White House for a photo op. That is where we are on the outlier of normalization. It doesn't get much weirder than that. Taffy's here. What's going on? Pam Jerome checking in. Hi, Pam. From the uh, Michigan, uh, Upper Michigan area. Good to see you. Um, oh, Hucklebuck, come back later. People are having some issues with the internet. I'm sorry. Come, come check it out on the uh, on the replay. JMP is here. What's going on, Jacqueline? Anybody else? There's Tondar. Thundar. I think we're good. I think everybody is pressed. Steve Letro. Uh, we owe our use of energy. The sewage treatment plants are powered by methane produced in secretary, secondary treatment. Steve Letro is a smart dude. What happened with that thing with Jay? I, this is really weird. Look at Equicentric, bringing the magic thing back to Yacht Rock with Nicolette Larson, who is a bona fide Yacht Rock artist. Um, let's see, Mark W., what's going on? Good to see you, Mark. We have one of our uh, friends from the UK in here. Thanks for being here. Steely Dan is the gold standard of Yacht Rock. They're, 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 everything else is an assemblage of the best of other artists. Steve's here. What's going on, Thor? Yeah, Tondar just swapped out a clean diapy. You're a good man. Loki, Loki. I'm evading that midlife near diabetes state of too much sugar intake too. It's subtle because there's so much high, man, it is, it is. It is so um, pervasive in everything. So pervasive. Okay, I think we're good. I think we're caught up. Good chat crew today. Excellent chat crew. Okay, let's see. Where did I want to go? All right, news of the day. Let's do some news of the day, and let's go back through these decades because there's some weird shit happening, as always. Now, this just um, crossed my 
radar here. Let me see what we have. I got to go back to this other browser because that's where it is. All right, let me throw this in here. Uh, this is disturbing. Now, this should be a much bigger story. So this is a video of some people that are, that are storming a children's vac center in New York City. So this has been set up to vaccinate children. Watch what happens here. Let me make sure I have the, uh, the right components on for share so you can get the sound on. <laughs> okay, watch what happens here. Remember, this is New York City. Let me expand it. It's only 49 seconds long. And away we go. Okay. Don't touch my phone. Okay. You're not allowed to do that, so turn it off. I'm the kids. Don't touch my phone, please. Don't touch my phone. Okay. Okay. okay, no problem. Watch it again. Now this, I'm going I'm to use a, an expletive here. This asshole should be with them. But what's he doing? No, you got to go. You got to go. So a group of people go this way. He follows them. Phone guy goes the other way. This guy is a big part of the problem right here. He's a big, literally he's big. He's a big part of the problem. If we didn't have this, this guy should be saying, yeah, go ahead. Remember just like how they did on January 6th? Yeah, go ahead. Go walk into that building. No problem. Here, let me open the door for you. Oh, they were a lot more friendly then, weren't they? They, they were a lot more uh, copacetic. Here, it's like, you got to go. You got to go. No, honestly, you got to go. You got to go. Or you have to change your perspective, change your allegiance, change your alliance. Another order follower. All right, let's keep going here. Let's play it again. I'm just looking. What do you notice about all these people? Take a good look at them. I'm not allowed to do that, so turn it off. I'm the kids. Don't touch my phone, please. I'm Don't touch my phone. Okay. Okay. okay, no problem. If you uh, 
need me to fill in the blank. They're all Chinese. They're all Chinese. So you have a children's vaccination center in New York City that is being run by an entirely Chinese crew. And they're more than likely not Chinese Americans. There seemed to be one guy maybe from India or Pakistan or whatever. Right at the beginning, everybody else is Chinese. That's troubling. That is troubling. That is an act of war. This is all an act of war. They're making people in this country sick as fuck. They're going to make them infertile. And now they're going after the kids. And now you have this group who are probably Chinese nationals who are administering these shots in New York City. If you go back and you look at Eric Adams, who is the mayor of New York City, who has he been photographed with on numerous occasions? Eric Schmidt. Do you guys know the story about Eric Schmidt? He was uh, at one point in time, the head of Alphabet, or, or is that what it was called? Alpha? I think it's Alpha, which was the... It was the parent company of Google. And Schmidt was the head of Alpha. He eventually left. Now, the rumor is, is that Eric Schmidt and his two daughters were poisoned by the Chinese. And they get the antidote sent to them on a monthly basis. If they don't take the antidote, they die. And the Chinese, this is the story. I don't know whether it's true or not, but based on the world we live in, I don't have a problem with it. The Chinese one month sent two antidotes instead of three. Why did they do that? Well, they were teaching Eric Schmidt a lesson. And Eric Schmidt had to pick one daughter over the other, apparently, to get the antidote. Which means that he literally had to kill the other daughter. And now you have Eric Schmidt and Eric Adams, the two Erics. There's always some weird duality trip going on, or this, this you know, occulted, duality around uh you know this this uh, this occulted magic with an ICK I'm a magic guy but not like that right it's not like that like I'm a magic guy like hey let's help Lisa get into this thing let's get the money and let's you know bring some people that's to me that's magic this other shit is not magic. It's dark manipulation. So I'm just making the connection here between Eric, Eric Adams, who's now the mayor of New York. You have a vaccination center in New York for children run by what looks like Chinese 
nationals living in New York. And the relationship between Eric Adams and Eric Schmidt and the Chinese. This is troubling. A little piece of foil in my drink. Then you have the order follower chasing people out. What a joke. Just wanted to bring that to your attention. Amidst all the other distractions that we have, we have behind the scenes infiltration in an ongoing asymmetric war against the American people. I've been talking about this for a long time. Just another example. Wearing us down. And even Biden, you know, the whole Biden thing is a demoralization ritual. You know, watching him daughter off the plane in Israel. What do I do next? Take a step over here and move forward. But guess what? We're strong. We're resilient. We're smart. We have a great ironic sense of humor. And we have the sounds of Yacht Rock to get us through this time. Um, let's get into the decades. We'll spend the rest of the show dealing with that. So I want to start with 1960. So 1960 is a significant year, not only because I was born in 1960, but it was the election of Kennedy, okay? That is huge. The Kennedy thing is, is huge. He's a different kind of president. He's the first, I've talked about this before, he is the first television president. He is the first, in many ways, global president. Now, Roosevelt was global, but only when he went to Yalta to uh, suck on Joe Stalin. That's, he was global in that regard. He was involved in a, uh, a global conflict. You know, he was on newsreels. One could make a slight case that Roosevelt was a global president. He was an Aquarian, which does make some sense. But it's Kennedy who really becomes a global president. You know, he's got that famous Ich Ein Berliner speech in uh, Germany, you know, and the Germans like, oh my God, somebody's actually talking to us. <laughs> Somebody actually likes us. We love this guy. He's a global president. He gets involved in global events. The Cuban Missile Crisis. I've been reading some interesting things about the Cuban Missile Crisis, by the way, and some interesting stuff about about uh, Castro. And how the Cuban Missile Crisis was a total false flag. And how Castro uh, was LGBTQ. Apparently, he and Che Guevara were lovers, which doesn't surprise me, by the way. But Castro probably swang in the other direction. He had a lot of young dudes. He had a very vested interest in Elian Gonzalez, didn't he? Hmm. Isn't that interesting? 
anyway, let's get to 1960. We have the first global president. And um, it's also the beginning of the space age. In January 10th, Prime Minister, British Prime Minister Harold Macmillan makes the wind of change speech right there. Bang. 1960. The wind of change. It's going to be a new decade. All right, we have the election of Kennedy that's going to happen in uh, November, right? That's a big, big deal. So this is kind of interesting if you're following along at home. On February 5th, the first CERN particle accelerator becomes operational in Geneva, Switzerland, right at the beginning of 1960. You know, we could probably do a chart for that. It's an Aquarian chart. Let's see what else do we have. March 6th. Oh, here we go. Alberto Corda takes his iconic photograph of Che Guevara, Guerrero Heroico in Havana. By the way, uh, Castro came from a very wealthy family. Very wealthy family. CIA backed all the way. Here we are at the beginning of the Vietnam War, March 6th, right? This is going to set the tone for the 1960s. This is going to be the 60s war right there, straight out of the gate. Uh, let's see, what else do we have here? You have the U2 incident. Francis Gary Powers spying on the Russians. The whole Cold War thing is really ramping up. We got the Civil Rights Act of 1960 uh, with, um, uh, what's his name? Eisenhower. Sputnik is launched on May 5th. This is the beginning of the space age. This is like setting the tone for the next decade. And then you have, of course, the election of Kennedy, right? We're gonna go all the way there. A lot of stuff happening in Africa, as you can see. August is Africa month in 1960. Uh, it's also the unofficial public birth of Muhammad Ali who becomes a huge figure in the 1960s. And he won a gold medal in the uh, uh, light heavyweight boxing. Where is that, in Japan? I think it's the Japan Olympics, if I'm not mistaken. Um, we have the dedication of the Marshall Space Flight Center on September 8th, christening the, 19, the 1960s as the space age, the space age. Abibi Bikila, that guy was an amazing uh, marathon runner. You have OPEC forming in 1960. Iran, Iraq, Kuwait, Saudi Arabia, and Venezuela. Eventually, 
the United States to become a member of OPEC. But you didn't know that. And uh, on my birthday, Mali becomes an independent state. It's a lot happening. Decolonization is starting right out of the gate in the 1960s. And we've talked about how decolonization was really just a cover for recorporatization. Once you took the, the quote unquote colonial powers out of Africa, the corporate powers were able to get in. And so here, here you go. John F. Kennedy is elected over Vice President Richard Nixon. So Nixon was Eisenhower's Vice President. A lot of people don't know that. And there are a lot of people who believe that the, the election was fixed, that Nixon actually won. I wouldn't have a problem with that based on who Kennedy was convort, cavorting with. Um, you've got your... Uh, Missile tests from Cape Canaveral, right? So this is going to be the beginning of what's going to take place. And eventually, Kennedy will get killed, whatever you think about that, he'll be killed. Uh, and that sets up a whole other kind of timeline for the 1960s. It's like the 50s are over, that era of, you know, Leave it to Beaver, Ozzie and Harriet, all the other stuff that goes along with it. It's over. You can get into the fourth turning cycles with some of these decades. The 60s definitely becomes one of them. But it's like, okay, we're done with that. We're drawing the curtain. Eisenhower, who represented the 50s, I believe with two terms as president, a prosperous time, baseball, apple pie. America. You know, when you think of the 1950s, that's probably the MAGA era. Because really, that's when Trump grew up. He grew up in, I think Trump was born in what, 40, 44? So by the time 1954 rolls around, he's 10 years old. Pretty sure it's 40, yeah, the 44, 46, might be 46. So he's growing up in the 50s. Like that's a nostalgic era for Trump. So I, when I think of MAGA, I think that's what MAGA refers to, a place in Trump's mind. Now I read somewhere that MAGA is the highest level of the satanic priesthood. I cannot confirm that, but it wouldn't surprise me. So you can see all the decolonization taking place and that becomes a big story. When you have the decolonization, what do you have? You have chaos. <laughs> That's what you have. You have a bunch of chaos. So the 60s, oh, we have births. Michael Stipe, January 4th. Interesting. Richard Elliott. Could Richard Elliott be Yacht Rock? I went through some Richard Elliott tracks, by the way, to see if he was Yacht Rock. I couldn't really find any. He's a sax player. So the six, 1960 is really, you can just see what happens in the 60s. Like the curtain closes, 1950s, over, over, 
TVs go from black and white to color. There's still a little remnant of the 50s running through the 60s from a television and an entertainment standpoint because they have to sell products and they have to sell products to people who are in their kind of um, breadwinning prime and they're used to certain content. Like they just can't flood the entire airwaves with versions of Dobie Gillis, which at that time was kind of a weird show. It was an odd show for the time. Patty Duke was kind of, the Patty Duke show was kind of odd because there were these twins involved and she played both of them. You know, there was like, I used to watch these shows as a kid. Then you have like the fantasy shows like Bewitched and um, I Dream of Jeannie, both of which bring occult practice and occult awareness into people's consciousness. You know, whether the whether it's through the gin and the and the genie in the bottle, or um, having you know the perfect wife. You know, the perfect wife is Samantha. She cooks, she raises your kids, and she she twitches her nose and makes shit happen, right? So that's starting to be introduced into the '60s, but the bulk of the media and TV for the '60s is still very folksy. Westerns are still big. They're selling Westerns. Um, they're selling you know, shows that are, again, more folksy, like, uh, you know, the Andy Griffith show or Mayberry, Mayberry RFD, whatever they They went through two different names. But that was a really big show. That's a 60s show. Um, and eventually you go into things like the Beverly Hillbillies and uh, Green Acres and Petticoat Junction. You know, all those shows that are for folk, right? It's the folk that have the money and they want the folk to spend the money. They run the commercials, you know, through that, through that portal. And of course you have some of the spy shows and, um, but the Westerns are still pretty prominent all the way up until the, the end of the sixties, you get to the and Look, we know what happens with the sixties. It's tumultuous. It's um, MK ultrafied. Right. It is a big era of massive change. And it's all predicated by the death. Again, wherever you are with this, the death of Kennedy. But then the 60s end. And and again, you have these kind of landmark events that shut a decade down. If you look at the 60s numerologically, it's a seven. So there's a lot of really weird spiritual stuff going on in the 60s as well. You got the Beatles going to India, you know, George Harrison playing sitar uh, in Beatles tracks, tune in, turn on, tune in, drop out, right? Those are all kind of seven sorts of homies. Mysticism becomes very big in the 1960s. And when you, when you, when you look at the number seven, right, it has a mystical architecture to it or mystical geometry you have seven, which is the line at the top, which represents heaven, right? Or the realm above. And then you have the line that comes down, which is the, the wisdom or the idea or the revelation that comes down from the higher mind or heaven or God. That's what seven represents. And that's why seven is a sacred number. And you have that as a backdrop in the 1960s is number seven, because that's what it comes out to. And then at the end of the 60s, everything changes. You have Altamont, you have Manson, 
you know, it kind of, it peaks with Woodstock and then you have the dark side of all of this. It's like, okay, we're done. That peace, love shit, expand your consciousness, turn on tune and drop out. That's over. And even on the folky side with TV, and I've talked about this before, there was a network-wide decision led by Brandon Tartikoff, and it was called The Great Rural Purge. And all these shows, which were still very popular, very popular. Batman got caught in The Rural Purge. Batman's ratings were still high. It wasn't like people had stopped watching Batman. They loved Batman. It was funny as shit. You got to see cool, sexy women in tight little outfits like Eartha Kitt, Lee Merriweather, Cat, you know, Batgirl. You know, I mean, and if you're a woman, who knows? Maybe you had a cosplay fantasy with Adam West too. Just saying. Um, even Batman gets caught in the rural purge. So all these shows that are highly rated, it's not like they were tanking or running on fumes. They were they were in the up they were the top 10 of the Nielsen ratings. They get pulled. It's like we're done. Decades over. And then they insert new programming in 1970. Now the next election is going to be 1972. Nixon gets elected in 68. So he's one of these wedge presidents. And by 1972, he's reelected, but then he gets into trouble during that term. And that's a whole other story. So what happens with the programming? Well, the programming changes. It becomes more diverse, more inclusive. You have shows like Bridget Loves Bernie, you know, and, uh, you know, Bridget is a, you know, a shiksa. And uh, Bernie's a mensch, right? Never before had we seen a Schicks and a mensch together on a show. And, you know, that's just one version. And I'm not saying these things are bad, by the way. I'm just showing you how the script changes. There is a show with Diane Carroll. I think it's the first network TV show where the lead character is a black woman where she plays a single mother. That's important too, right? That's a really important fact to wrap your head around with that show. That's programming. She's a single mother and she's a nurse. And she works for Lloyd Nolan, who's the doctor at the uh, clinic or office that she works at. And it's kind of a bit of a precursor to the Mary Tyler Moore show. Although she has a child, she's got a boy. And then you see her go through dating and trying to, you know, find a man in her life. And one of her boyfriends on the show was uh, Fred the Hammer Williamson, who would become a star in the black exploitation genre later on. But do you, do you see the programming there? A single black woman. She's a nurse. So they're normalizing something. Of course, you're going to have a different version of that. You're going to have good times. It's a black family, working class family. Nothing wrong with that, right? But but that show in particular, 
comes on the scene. Then you have Room 222, which is ostensibly a show about a high school, right? And it's, you know, the SJWs of the time. And it's a very diverse cast. ABC was always known for championing diversity. It's a, um, of all the four major networks, three major networks, the three major networks, ABC was always considered the closest to the alphabet agencies because they, they were the ones that were connected to youth programming. You go back and you look at the history of ABC's TV shows. They're all geared towards youth. Each of the networks had something different going on. CBS was generally known for news and sophisticated comedies. Um, NBC was kind of, you know, more in the, um, you know, they had a lot of police shit on NBC. You know, you had like police story, police woman, emergency. You had that, they had law shows. On that. All three of the networks had law shows. But CBS, you got the, you know, kind of more the news, more the adult programming. NBC, you get some of that, but you get more kind of longer crime dramas. And then ABC is pure youth. I mean, just look at the ABC shows, Welcome Back, Cotter, Happy Days. Those are all youth-oriented shows. So we have a big change in programming. And at the end, so the 60s are over, right? I mean, they, it is over. It's over through events. The music changes drastically. You know, you go from kind of rock and roll and, and uh, singer-songwriter stuff and, you know, the Beatles. The Beatles end roughly in 1969-1970. Who takes off? It's Led Zeppelin. And things become heavier. There's bigger bottom end, right? There's more over-sexuality. There's a whole new soundtrack and a whole new wave for the 70s. And it's a whole new period of change. The 70s become an, an eight. It's an eight decade. And that's when you begin to see, towards the end of the 70s, the accumulation of power. You'll see that towards the end of the decade. And the 70s are still fairly tumultuous. You have the Vietnam War winding down, but it is different than the 60s. The sexual revolution is on in a big way. You have baby boomers now coming into the workplace. They have money. They're looking for lifestyle. And that lifestyle is promoted. They promote that lifestyle, you know, every, every chance they get. Of course, Yacht Rock is born in the 1970s too. It's a very different era. And there's a lot of tumultuousness in the 60s. In the 70s, it's not. The 70s is like a soporific. And it's a change, right? It's definitely a change. It's also a change where they begin to um, downshift with the American story. Because if you go back and you look at the rural purge, like all those, for better or worse, whatever you think of those shows, those shows represented a certain version of America. It was like common people. And the whole idea with the Beverly Hillbillies, even though it's a fantasy, is you have these common people who somehow stumble upon a fortune. They wind up making it big, but they don't lose touch with who they are. 
in their heart, no matter how much money they have, they're still hillbillies, right? That's the theme behind the Beverly Hillbillies. And everybody around them is fake as fuck. And they're living in the center of, of fake fuckery in Beverly Hills. But all that changes in the 70s. And you have all these stories about, you know, and you get to at the end of the 60s too. Like towards the end of the 60s, the programming is the courtship of Eddie's father. Um, you have a family affair, single dads. You can see some of that single dadness in My Three Sons. That's in the earlier part of the 60s. But then you get the single mom stuff in the 70s. Single moms are everywhere. I mean, look at the Partridge family. She's a single mom. You know, in the in the in the uh stand and dad is Ruben Kincaid, the manager. So there's programming going on here. A ton of programming. Um and so the 70s represent, you see the big changes really, really happen either just before the decade or just after the decade. In the 60s, clearly it's Kennedy, right? It is Kennedy and it just sets the tone. Bye-bye 50s. If you want, ever want to watch this, and you have a subscription. I think it's on Hulu now. Watch the entire run of Mad Men. You'll see it. Mad Men like nails every single decade. How And they do it through advertising and they know that they have to change the message through the advertising. I think Mad Men is one of the great TV series of all time. Talk about duality. Anyway. Um, so this happens with the 70s. By the time you get to the end of the 70s, things are changing again. The music changes. It's it's you know less bombastic and you know less rock opera esque, less theme oriented, more like let's tear the shit down. And that's what they're doing. They're tearing the seventies down, and they're paving the way for a president that's born on his or, or elected on a zero year, and that's Reagan, right? So Kennedy and Reagan are almost like these bookends because Nixon is elected in 68, re-elected in 72. So they're not elected on those zero years. And those zero years are like portals. And Reagan sets the entire tone of the 80s. And everything changes again. The movies change. The music changes. The programming on TV changes. No, You don't see a lot of single mom programming on, on TVs. What do you see? You see families again. But they're odd families. Um, there's that, I never really watched this shit, but there's the family with Michael J. Fox, the little, the little capitalist and his uh, former like uh, activist parents who are now mainstreamed, right? You have the, the Cosby family, big in the 80s. It's a family show. And some would say it portrays a positive version of a black family. I don't have a problem with that. It's not, it's not the single mom, right? So the 80s are a whole other layer of programming, and it kind of gets into the, the nostalgic relationship with America and Reagan, because Reagan represents a different time. It's, in a lot of ways, the 80s is the peak of America. It is the peak. And the music, the messaging... It's, it all represents that peak. 
conspicuous consumption, big shoulder pads, big hair. Everything's big in the 80s. And numerologically, it's a nine era. So that means that it has come to an end, right? We have come to this conclusion with this thing that started nine decades prior to that, which I guess would be the, what, the 1900s, right? So when you get to the 1980s. So it's this conclusion. And even the, the, uh, the number that we associate with the 80s, which is eight, it's a power number, as above, so below, right? So this is a big period, big time change. There's, there's a lot of, quote, unquote, Americanism during the 1980s, but it's not the Americanism that I'm really interested in. But that's what happens. And then Reagan gets reelected in 84, reelected in 88, and he serves president, president, you know, till so from 80 to 84, 84 to 88. And then in uh, 1992, another two era, Bush becomes president. If I'm not mistaken, right? All right. Let's go back through this in my head. 80 to 84, 84 to 88. Bush becomes president in 88. And he's done by 92. My bad. Right. Because Reagan is done by 88. So there's two terms, 80 to 84, 84 to 88, Bush 88 to 92. So Bush comes in on an eight-year, one-term president. And then look at the 90s. It's like the 80s are over. We have a new president who was elected two years before that. As soon as he's elected, everything goes to shit. You know, we have uh, inflation, unemployment. The economy sucked during George Bush, probably because they sucked a lot of the wind out of the economy with Reagan, but it sucked. And then the 90s are a whole different scene, right? Again, the music changes. When you look at the 80s, the end of the 80s, what does hip hop sound like at the end of the 80s? It's kind of happy. You have the Humpty Dance. Baby got back, you know, kind of happy, happy rap tunes. You know, a little bit of a disc culture in there. Some braggadocio. That changes, right? It gets darker. The music gets darker. Everything gets darker in the 90s. Everything. The programming changes, right? You get the x file, so something's going on, but we don't really know about it. So these, these things happen. It's like the scripts are over, over. And now they introduce these, these new realities every 10 years. And we just got introduced to a new reality in 2020. In a big way, didn't we? In a really big way. So think about what happened in 2020 and project that out until 2030. That's what we're dealing with. And we've got a new president in 2020. And I think it's the, the zero-year presidents are the ones that get killed. I'm pretty sure Reagan died, by the way. I don't know who that was after they after that that uh, that shooting, who was done by a friend of the fucking Bush family. Nobody really talks about that, do they? Oh, hush, hush, hush. I think uh, I think Hinckley is out, and I think he gave an interview like eight days before 
the whole uh, Highland Park thing. A little strange, right? I'm pretty sure he did. Let me just look at it. Yeah. Yeah. So he's out. Decades after Reagan assassination attempt. After 41 years, two months, and 15 days, freedom at last, Hinkley tweeted Wednesday afternoon. And I think he gave an interview just before the Highland Park thing. So every decade, they, they pull the curtain on whatever happened in the, in the pr previous decade. It's done. Look at, look at 2000. Who gets elected? George W. Bush. What happened?